0: Hey everyone, and a huge welcome to the Dedicate Podcast, the wellbeing podcast to help you to get the most out of your life. We discuss health, fitness, relationships, self-love and body image, mental health, motherhood and more. I'm Kate Ivey, your host, and today I'm chatting to my netball idol, Nat Medhurst. Nat was goal attack for the Australian Diamonds for 10 years, and she is now a mother, head of sport at a girls' school, and Dedicate Ambassador. Nat talks us through the highs and lows of her career, the levels of fitness, training and competition that were required and the effect this had on her body. She also emotionally discusses the challenges of trying to return to netball after having a baby and gives us her advice for budding athletes and women transitioning to motherhood. This episode is a bit longer than normal. There was so much to talk about. I hope you enjoy it. Alrighty. Hi, Nat. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. So I'm a bit of a super fan. I um to give some perspective to our listeners, I played a lot of Netball growing up. I was in the Canterbury Flames squad and you know, Otago under 21s, that sort of thing. So I lived and breathed it a lot. And I was sort of thinking about it before our chat today as to why I followed your career so closely. And I think it was because I kind of saw myself in you. So I was a goal attack and I really related to the way that you played. So I guess in some ways you were kind of like living my dream. So I have followed your career quite closely. So when you were when you were dumped from the Diamonds and from the Fever, I like took it quite personally. You know, it's like, what, <laughs> how does this happen? And you feel like so outraged. Now it just, it didn't seem to add up at the time. So the, it, first of all, it was the diamonds wasn't it the yeah, first.
1: So, yeah the diamonds happened first so that was um oh gosh I'm trying to think if that was the 2000 end of the 2017 yeah it was 2018 was com games so yeah. um during 2017 did not see it coming at all And it was quite a real surreal, yeah, a very surreal experience just getting that phone call. As I said, I'd been um, actually booked on flights to go to Queensland, which was supported by the Aussie Diamonds to go and train up there with the strength and conditioning coach at the time and do some training with him in preparation for the upcoming test series that was later that year. I'd been through a lot as well during 2017 personally I'd had a marriage breakdown 2017 from a fever perspective um, it had been the start of the new Suncorp season a lot of players had left um, west coast fever as well and yeah to get that phone call from Lisa as I said I just did not see it coming at all and it was very much um, I guess a scripted comment it was basically it was the day after the grand final um, and it was so you were I, in the
0: grand um, final?
1: No, we weren't no. in the grand final in 2017 with West Coast. We were the following year. Yeah. And, yeah, so Lisa rang and she said, hi, Nat, no, I don't have some good news. You've been dropped from the Aussie Diamonds squad, which means you're ineligible for Commonwealth Games selection and you might want to consider announcing your retirement from international netball. And I was just like. And oh, there's no, well.
0: like, take a seat, like, your life's about to change. It's just like. Yeah.
1: And I'd obviously been a part of the Diamond squad for 10 years or the team for 10 years yeah I just as I said it just completely blew me away and also what, um, what was the start of all that <laughs> um and there was a lot of things that then transpired after that in the sort of the weeks to come which were really quite hard and hurtful and things that were done and then I still have so never what had sort a conversation so the following week after was the um Netball Australia awards night I had been told I wasn't allowed to tell anyone about being dropped from the squad. So I went to the awards dinner pretending to be fine and, you know, people oh, yeah. talking to me and stuff. And then I sort of started to piece together. And Lisa was there and didn't acknowledge me the whole night either. But And how long had she little... been
0: your coach before? Like you would have obviously had different coaches previously. How uh, so long she Lisa... came on
1: board in 2011. So she'd been my coach for six, seven years. Oh, wow. Okay. So I thought I wasn't. I was trying to do the right thing, not tell anyone about what had happened, and um, that had been dropped. And then I sort of started to piece together throughout the night in terms of how people were interacting with me that they knew. So she had told people, and then told, including other players,
0: they told, told them not to tell tell you that they knew,
1: to yeah, to about it. Um, and so they didn't know how to then support me um which was then obviously put them in a really uncomfortable position yeah yeah and obviously teammates and yeah. they certainly felt for me and and all those sorts of things and then I think the, probably one of the things that really really frustrated me a couple of uh, their first series that they had then after that um I believe they actually lost or they lost one of the first games and I actually got a phone call from Kath Cox and I thought she'd butt dialed me because she's not someone who really calls me very often and she just, you know, she had checked in. She's like, oh, how are you going? And all those sorts of things. And she said, we were wanting to do an interview with Lisa Alexander about the team and um, particularly around the front line because it's really struggling. And a lot of that is around, or they're talking about your non-selection in the team and that sort of thing. And she said, we've been told we're not allow- allowed to ask her about it at my request because it's something you're really struggling with. So Netball Australia, and I by Lisa and through then Network Australia media people had told the journalists or media that they weren't allowed to ask Lisa about my non-selection at my request, which wasn't true because I, it was something I was really struggling with. So they then use mental health as a reason for her not to ask, answer questions regarding selection. So that. Which wasn't was true curious, at all. Yeah. Which wasn't true at all. Cause um, I'm someone who has struggled with mental health issues in the past. Um, And obviously to then use that as a reason, which was completely incorrect, but to then use that as a reason for someone to not answer questions around their decisions of selection. And that's her job as a coach to, yes, she has to make hard decisions and calls, whatever it is, but she then obviously needs to make. She needs to stand by them. She has to,
0: yeah. Explain it. Accountable for them.
1: Yeah. So I was furious. I was on the phone very, very quickly to Netball Australia when I heard that. Um, because as I said to you guys just before, I hadn't even spoken to Lisa um, except for that phone call when she told me, So and I still haven't. So there was no
0: issue, you'd had mental health issues in the past, and so there was no check-in at all to see how you were actually doing. It was just, here's the phone call, go away and deal with it, and then we're just going to pretend it never happened and we're not going to answer any questions on it.
1: Yeah, Um, and then, and as I said, I still to this day have never been given a reason as to yeah why. I, I need a reason um, so you must need a reason I
0: thought I'd maybe get a reason today maybe a bit of
1: closure but
0: no that's not going mean, to happen
1: <laughs> no and I, I think it's interesting like and as you said then you touched on the things around fever and even how I finished with Collingwood the players you always like to think that you're going to end up with this dream finish and you're going to have you know the way it's all going to end will, you know, be on your terms. And very, yeah. very few athletes actually get that fairy tale ending or the mm-hmm. way that they want it. Um, whether it's through injury, being dropped, whatever yeah. it might be, that's the way it generally tends to go. And you always like to hope that you're not going to be one of them. But
0: so then, who yeah. replaced you in the diamonds when when you got abruptly dropped?
1: Um, I think. So, because 2018 was then Commonwealth Games, so I think Susan Prattley or Susan Pettit came back in. Um, she sort, of, sort made... of
0: gone in and out during the whole time that you were in there, hadn't she? It wasn't like they thought there was some up-and-coming player that was just going to be a complete star that needed some yeah. court time.
1: Yeah, and because I'm trying to think, I, I can't remember exactly where Steph would. So, Gretel Tippett or Gretel Guero, she is now, um, she was already in the team. And then Steph Wood was the other one. So, yeah, it was sort of with Pratt's and Steph Wood, yeah, with those two sort of players coming through. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And so how old fun. were you when – yeah, really fun. Don't worry, we'll talk about the fun stuff as well. But yeah, <laughs> how old were you when – when happened? Um.
1: So what was that, 2017? So what was that, four, five, five years ago? So maybe about 32, 33, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So um, I obviously still felt I had a lot of netball. I still felt I was capable to be playing there. That's why I didn't choose to retire. And you'd Um, given so
0: much service to the sport of netball.
1: It's, It's really sad, I think. Netball did not say goodbye to their players well at all, certainly not in Australia, obviously don't know what happens in other countries, but they're really, really bad at it, Um, whether it's from a Diamonds perspective, from players leaving SSN um, and how they continue to engage with them. I think there's so many players who leave really disgruntled and hurt and feel very isolated and not supported in any part of their transition, in staying a part of the sport, whether it's through spectating, you know, being at being able to attend matches. I've never been invited. I played, what, eighty-six text matches. I've never been invited to attend a test match. Yeah, so it's so it's, getting it's into really your bad. commentary
0: stuff. So how do you get into that?
1: By chance, I guess. It was something I've I've always enjoyed doing media stuff. I don't think I'm horrible at it. No, no, you're um, good. I think people enjoy I think hearing me and I, I'm I'm very it's funny because people i've heard people say oh, you're controversial and I'm like I'm not controversial I'll just say what you think yeah what and what generally everyone else thinks yeah. and I, there's obviously a right and a wrong way of being able to put it but i think you can express your opinion and your thoughts on things in a in a right way and obviously try try and do that and give people insight so so
0: netball then, australia have nothing to do with the transition and in, into that stuff is what i sort of
1: no no so that, it was so. just more through contacts with channel nine obviously they were doing the broadcast keely debris um she's obviously fantastic in supporting athletes as they're coming out and if they want to be involved so i was still doing a little bit when i was playing i was playing ssn so i was um, i actually was really fortunate to be involved in the world cup coverage um which made for some very long nights and very early mornings because yeah, of the time so that was great to be a part of and work alongside liz and pharrell yeah. for that and then yeah continue on um over the well i guess this year's been a bit interesting with covid yeah. but yeah that's i guess sort of just the way it's gone so where you, you just get in touch with the broadcasters and yeah. see if there's and you mentioned
0: um you mentioned Sherelle. does she get what was her retirement like? Like, did she get to leave um, gracefully?
1: I'm William? not 100% sure, but my, I guess there's rumours floating, floating around that she got a little bit of a tap on the shoulder as well. I believe the same may have also been done with Coxie. As I said, it it's a lot more common than, mm. <laughs> than maybe what people think or would like to, to hear about. And as I said, it's just... It, the horrible part is, is that you just sort of, you become obsolete like that. Mm. And I found, I even found obviously retiring from, from netball last year and being a part of it for 17 years. That's, you know, what I'd done and for first so long and given so much to, and straight away you very, like you become, it's like it never happened um, yeah. You feel so removed from it. You just actually can't believe that that was part of your life for so long because mm-hmm. as you do, you're literally made to feel somewhat
0: um, It seems so crazy because you've got so strange. much to give. Like surely they could have some sort of, I don't know, system where you become like not playing, but you, you're part of the squad and teaching and coaching.
1: It's something that netball doesn't do very well. I think if you look at, well, as said, um, again, I'm just talking from an Australian perspective, but there's very few players that stay in the system that stay coaching or whether it's not even coaching but from other exec roles or high performance or whatever it is. I think, you know, I look at footy and they do that incredibly well. They have so many past players involved in their sport, whether it's in the marketing department, um, in coaching, high performance, wherever it might be. You've got some of them that transition into physio, strength and conditioning, and they keep them involved. Yes, they might stay, switch clubs, but they stay there whereas that's not something that netball doesn't i don't know if that's that's something that they've looked into whether it's a deliberate or it might be completely unconscious but um, i just think we have so many athletes who give so much who are great role models who are Mm. intelligent skillful have all these things that they're able to give to our sport and insight Mm. Um, and i just don't think it's utilized or yeah there's really any support that's given
0: yeah it's tough. And so, um, we won't spend too much too long talking about all the all the <laughs> negatives, but just quickly run us through what happened with the West Coast fever.
1: That was fun uh, again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously, as I said, in two thousand and seventeen when and it was end of, of two thousand and sixteen when the Sun Court season happened uh, came to fruition, we separated from New Zealand. yeah. Basically, everyone was off contract. So there was a lot of player player movement. I, and I've always been someone who's never stuffed people around. I've never liked to play clubs off each other. Only up until the last couple of years prior to that, I'd always done my contracts myself and had those negotiations. And so for me, I'd always wanted to stay at Fever. I never looked anywhere else or considered going anywhere. So um, you
0: were playing for Fever when you were in the New Zealand Australia competition and then when yep, it was so split, prior, you wanted in to the AZ say the yeah.
1: championship prior to that and then when it became the Suncourt Super Netball League um, yep my desire was still to play so I had signed a 3 year deal um, the third year um, which would have taken me through till I think the end of 20 uh, end of two, the
0: 2019
1: season mm-hmm. uh it's, Yeah, to the end of the 2019 season with the West Coast Fever. But that third year, there was an opt-out clause for either party. Um, They were meant to give, either party was meant to give a month's notice. Um, So as I said, I went through 2018. We played in the grand final, um, obviously the club, which hopefully I'd played a, a role in helping get the club to where it was. And then we played in the grand final in 2018 In 2018, on the Sunday. It was a Sunday grand final. On the Wednesday, I was going to have a meet. My manager called a meeting. And so I was on my way to go have a meeting with him. And I got a text message from uh, Brazzy, Ash Brazil in Collingwood. She's like, mate, you're coming to Collingwood. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I've signed with, I'm playing for West Coast Fever. I'm signed with Fever. And she's like no nah, she's like I've just heard that Alice she said Alice Teague Neil, who's one of the Collingwood players has mm-hmm. signed with West Coast Fever and I'm like what and they obviously already had Janiel mm-hmm. and then I was trying to figure things out and I where said everyone was going to
0: fit how they going to fit in the yeah day? and yeah. I'm
1: like what, what's going on and then even prior to that so the Monday after the grand final I got text messages from a couple of the SSN coaches which I thought initially was just nice but yeah then because what happens after the grand final all the clubs actually get a list of all the players who are off contract I was on that list and I had no idea that I was on that list because in my mind I was still contracted the contracts finished the Friday after the grand final so there was only like a week and then anyway so that happened on the Wednesday get the text message from Brazzy Thursday was our awards dinner everyone was a bit like just normal and stuff. And then on the Friday, I actually then had, which was the last day of the contract, I had a meeting with. And you still um, hadn't been told, Co- from had been told anything. Had not been told anything. So I still had them. And that was the last day that the contracts that's finished. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a meeting with Stacy Marinkovich and the CEO at the time, Simon Taylor from West Coast Fever. And But that morning, um, I actually read the paper saying that Calius Stanton had signed a one-year deal. So I basically pieced it together that they were going to give me the flick heading into this meeting on the last day. So I said, I was meant to be given a month's notice if they wanted to opt out. I had no intention of opting out. I hadn't looked anywhere. I'd just bought a house in Perth. And so I went into that meeting and that's where they then told me that I... Was no longer wanted by them. Um, as I said, it was a complete blindside. Uh, other co- assistant coaches at the club had no idea that that was the that that this was happening because they weren't a part of the recruiting. Yeah, it was absolutely horrible. And the worst thing I I said and was like, I do not want to be made to look like I'm walking out on this club. And yeah, it was just really hard. The statement I think went out that night, and I was just. I had to end up, turning, I think I'd basically turn my phone off for a couple of weeks. Because, because prior the, to that grand
0: final, Fever hadn't done very well in the competitions, had they? So you'd kind of stuck no, that, by them through thick and thin.
1: Yeah, I think that made one final appearance prior. And that was one of the years that I was there. That, yeah, that always struggled um, through, as I said, we had a mass exodus where we had sort of about five or so of our players who were starting seven players leave to other clubs. I'd always said I wanted to be a part of something. So, and I, as I said, I was then out of contract. I had no job, no idea what I was going to do. And you had, do.
0: what's the deadline that day to be with another club?
1: Um, I think there was one more week. Okay. There was then one more week to then be able to sign. Um, yeah, and you're like,
0: do I want to sign? Do I want to keep playing? Where's my head at? What's happening? Uh-uh, yeah, because yeah.
1: it was just a complete bombshell and yeah. my whole life and everything that I thought I had, was going to be doing for the next 12, 18 months just got completely blown up um, in front of me. So yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. It wasn't handled well. I think they would have liked to have thought they would have done it better. I think I was quite disappointed because as well, there was never any conversations with me around, which I would have been more than happy to do. And people might go, you're talking bullshit, but um, I would have been more than happy to have taken pay cut if that's hmm. what if that was part of an issue obviously it was an issue given then the salary cap breaches but yeah. um I just don't no discussion yeah, at all. there was you. just no discussion no working whatsoever. together. yeah no oh, um so yeah so I've learned to be very resilient and even for me all that stuff that went on I think um it's still it's amazing still people on the outside who seem to know more who think they know more about my own life and um than what I do I always yeah. love that yeah that drives me insane. Who am I kidding? Um, do you get
0: but, crazy people in the supermarkets coming and telling you? Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. And then you always see stuff on good old Netball, Netball socials. But oh, Stacey yeah. and, I, and I think the other thing as well, Stacey and I are fine. I made sure that before I left Perth that I caught up with her. That was something that mm. was really important to me. I'd left Adelaide um, previously from the Thunderbirds, not in a good way. Um, and I didn't want to do that again. So, yeah, I think for everyone who is out there that always tries to make things up about Stacey or somehow I get looped into conversations from Stacey's selection as the, you know, being the new Diamonds coach and my name then somehow gets linked mm. to it. We're fine people. So yeah. we're friendly. It's amicable. People just um, want some drama. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, at the time it was obviously horrible. Yeah. Um, it really, it really, really hurt.
0: And so what about if we, Let's, let's go to some good times so obviously you played you said 10 years for the diamonds so there must have been some amazing times in there but yeah first of all tell me about the training actually I mean you have to be so fit don't you like insanely fit
1: yeah i um, probably too fit from my perspective in terms of it gave me um, a little bit of issues with falling pregnant but it certainly changed a lot. I remember going in. So, 2006, I was um, an invitee to the Aussie squad, and I was just blown away. You know, to be around players. There was, you know, Liz Ellis and Peter Scholes or Peter Squire as she was back then, and Cheryl McMahon, who was my I yeah. growing up after watching the '99 World Cup, yeah. breaking New Zealand. New Zealanders' hearts,
0: but oh, was that the one where we... Irene Van Dyke missed the shot? The yeah.
1: uh, no, <laughs> it was Donald Lofhagen. Donna oh, it was Lofhagen Donald Lofhagen, Lofhagen who missed it. it. Yes, I remember.
0: Yeah, yeah, right under the hoop. Oh, yeah, for he's her got the so rebound. Much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to be around all these players was just amazing. Um, and then 2007 was then my first year in the squad properly. Um, that was a World Cup year as well. I got selected for a World Cup so it was all a lot but Norma Plummer was the coach which I know a lot of New Zealanders absolutely love her and I mean training's changed a lot to what now from back then the training back then was certainly very very grueling like you always had long camps the training camps were full on you'd have numerous sessions every day very very limited rest you worked incredibly hard it was and I think the thing is i look at now, it was, and I'm mindful of saying this because I don't want to disrespect people who are in there now, but to make the Aussie squad was so hard. And I look at the New Zealand team now, how small it is and how hard it is to make that squad. It was so incredibly hard back then to make the squad, let alone to make the team and then let alone to make the starting seven. But I, it made that team, during those years what it was and so successful because it's just the such a high standard, standard. and that's like what, what you're standard. saying that
0: um and New Zealand's being set now with the fitness and everything
1: yeah and there was just such a high standard and expectation and to make it you had to be prepared to do that work and do it consistently and that was the thing even though when look, we looked for example back then Cheryl McMahon for example was the starting goal attack mm. But that didn't mean I didn't sit back and go, oh, well, I'm never going to get a go. I still trained my absolute butt off because I knew what my role was if I wanted to, but I it also made me challenge her, which then made her work harder. So yeah. I just continually lifted up mm-hmm. that standard. And I think that's what it's certainly changed a bit now. In some ways it's good. There's a lot more, I think, player management and loading because particularly with the commitments of SSN now mm-hmm. um, and the demands on players to keep training that way which we did you know 15 years ago wouldn't be sustainable because you just burn out
0: yeah i was was gonna say Uh, even myself i remember when i played um i'd get to august in the season and you just lose your spark you're just drained and tired i mean wouldn't have been looking after my body as well but you know as you guys would have been but you know you're training so much harder and i always think that about elite athletes how do you be engrossed in it for so long and train so hard and still feel so passionate about it and still have that spark?
1: Yeah, oh, don't worry, the passion wavers at times. You just want, yeah. sometimes you go, What, the hell? what yeah. the hell are we doing this for? Because like, I guess, how do you
0: keep performing then? Yeah, you, without you basically, it, you're basically,
1: you're playing netball or training nearly 12 months yeah. of the year, um, and particularly the big years when it's con games and World Cup. Um, it's just full on for that sort of two, three year block. I think it's just, it's that competitiveness and I think there's players who it's either a part of, it's your job, it's your commitment to be a part of that. Um, Sometimes it's probably a bit of stupidity as well. But as I said, back then as well, compared to now, talking about things with, you know, mental health or giving players a rest and that sort of thing, it just wasn't really talked about or discussed. Mm So don't get me wrong, like there were players who were constantly constantly being burnt out or feeling really exhausted or sometimes you'd be on tour and you just could cry like that and you'd mm. have no idea what you were crying over because yeah. you were just so Actually emotionally, gone, yeah. physically drained. But, yeah, it's your ability to then, as I said, to to pick yourself up and um, I think you certainly have the support of your teammates as well to get you through a lot of those sorts of things. But, yeah, back then it was, as I said, when I first started, it was incredibly hard the last couple of years that I was a part of Diamonds, it certainly shifted and I think that's shifted across the board in netball where there's a lot more, I guess, load management. Um, obviously, there's player welfare that comes into it, which we never really had. It's only been the last, I think, when Lisa came on board in maybe 2012, 2013, that she got a wellbeing manager um, with the Aussie Diamonds, which they'd never, ever had before so there's a lot more support given to players but also to coaches as well in managing a lot of things that were going on um, and then yet yeah, you sort of see that through now um, all, all the clubs I said so there's probably a lot more thought around the training program and loading and making sure people are given you know a rest yeah. and not burning out
0: Yep, you see a lot in the All Blacks and stuff as well, players not travelling to certain games and stuff like that. So tell me the good times. So what would be, like, some of your best memories?
1: Oh, gosh, it was quite funny. So Pratt's put up a thing just recently. Um, It was 11 years ago that we went to, or the team was selected for the Commonwealth Games um, in Delhi, the 2010 Games. And that whole experience is we were then messaging each other just talking about things that had happened and things like that. Like, Delhi was just an experience probably for every right and every wrong reason, and it's one of those things that you just remember. We were gone for five weeks. uh, Norma was the coach. I think we had one day off in that five weeks. There was girls getting deli belly and (laughs) there was just – all sorts of issues with the obviously the accommodation and there's just all these sorts of funny things that happen and I think that's a part of being these teams and going on these tours particularly when you have the opportunity to go to different countries yeah. where you just have to sometimes you have to roll with the punches yeah. and just that sort of thing. what happened that, in Delhi what was
0: the result there
1: uh, don't pretend you don't
0: know <laughs> i was sure we'd won So that's why I was like Why are we talking
1: about this one? <laughs> yeah, you guys won in, this is, It's memorable, not for, every, yeah, yeah, yeah. not for the right reasons We lost in double extra time That's I what I was going to say
0: oh, yes. yeah,
1: I remember standing up on the podium And as I said, we were joining We'd been gone away for Did Apar-
0: team Did Apar- George get sent off or warnings or something? What game no, was that? that no, that
1: was in another That, that was, was in 2003 yeah. yeah, oh, she, yep, yeah, she wasn't playing when I was. Um, that was oh, another what? one, so really was she not Maria, playing at the
0: same time? Did you not play against her?
1: No, I played, I remember playing against her in domestic, like in the domestic competition. Yeah, she may oh, have just flowing, it's a problem. 2007, she may have been doing playing. Um, yeah, and then but yeah, so Maria Tutaya shot the um the winning goal but I remember that one even standing on the podium um to receive our silver medal (laughs) and um I was standing next to Sherelle and I think it was Prince Edward or something was handing out the medals and we obviously were so like we must have looked so pissed off. And we would have been saying oh bloody
0: Aussies look at them. They're not even like being gracious yeah.
1: <laughs> well he comes along and he comes to give us our medals and he's like it's all right girls it's just a game I swear Sherelle was going to jump down and punch this bloke <laughs> just a game that's your whole life I was like what and you could I think swear you would have seen the sting coming out of our ears um and as I said it was the end of a long long tour because yeah. we've been to KL before that obviously the 2007 making my debut and then being a part of a World Cup and beating New Zealand in New Zealand I obviously had seen that rivalry before
0: yeah so that rivalry and- fascinates me because New Zealand don't have the depth that you guys have you know for we basically have usually have one person for each position that's really good and then <laughs> there's no one else sort of pushing them like you were talking about with having your and Cheryl in the team and really really fighting for positions. Do you think that it's because of that rivalry that New Zealand can perform often against you
1: guys? Um yeah, but I think it's quite a, Oh, to be honest I'm, I'm not even sure from I know in Australia there's so many sports for people to choose from. My understanding is in New Zealand netball's like yeah. kind
0: of yeah, netball the hockey, biggest but, sports. but yeah, netball's massive, yeah.
1: Um, so that's what people play and obviously the talent is just phenomenal I think what Knowles is doing I would love to have been coached by yeah she's amazing oh right? my gosh um, I remember she presented a award to me when we had the preseason tournament in 2000 end of 2018 uh, no end of 2019 in Nelson and I was just like oh my gosh I love you <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you coach me um And, yeah, it's just obviously, but it's amazing, irrespective of what might have gone, whenever it gets to those major tournaments in particular, in particular, every Australian New Zealand just managed to always go to another level. And those games were always only one or two goals. And even if
0: a team would get, and it would usually be Australia would would get up for some reason, um, by sometimes like 10 or 12, but even if that happened, often it would... Come back to always, close again. Yeah. Yep. So good to um, watch.
1: Yeah. And it was quite sweet. To, that 2007 World Cup being a part of that, I did not expect to be out there on court when that final so whistle which went. which was that one? That was, where are we? The 2007 in New Zealand, oh, um, yeah. in Auckland, yeah. um, which we won. And then, <laughs> um, so that was amazing. The 2015 World Cup all the world cups were amazing 2011 to then obviously 2010 as we spoke about to lose that so 2011 to win in Singapore which went into extra time yeah that was just such a phenomenal tournament as well Singapore did an amazing job I think like the fans the whole experience of being over there was just phenomenal and then to win a World Cup on home soil was because there's so many other pressures and things that come with that and you're pulled in so many directions outside of just playing because there's media, there's appearances, there's all these sorts of other things that you have going on and so many other distractions. So that was, yeah, remarkable. And it was quite strange when you talk about how close the margin was. When we had the Com Games in Glasgow, um, New Zealand had gone in, they had... I think players who had retired, there'd been um, a lot of injuries as well for them in that tournament, but we played them in the gold medal match. And we were out by about 15 or so goals with five minutes to play. And it was a really weird feeling (laughs) to be playing the game and knowing you'd won, whereas Mm. normally still those last few minutes. Yeah, yeah, it would have been almost like a bit of a,
0: a oh, oh, this isn't as fun as... Yeah, I was like, previous? this is a bit climatic. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we were all thinking the same watching it. And so who is the hardest goal of defence? Oh,
1: Julie Corletto.
0: Yeah.
1: Definitely out there. Um, our careers went very much in line. We both made our Aussie de- debut together. We'd played against each other from state underage, um, then – she was at Melbourne Vixens when I was at the Adelaide Thunderbirds. Loved having her as a teammate, but she was such a athletic, very clean defender. Absolutely loved her. She's a legend. Internationally, I had a lot of good battles with, oh, my gosh, I've had a complete mental block. This is horrible. Oh, Katrina Grant or Katrina Roy and... Yeah um Casey kapoor that's yeah. the name I forgot yeah. <laughs> um yeah those two as well and obviously Casey then started playing back a bit more at um goalkeeper probably because you guys yeah, have I such
0: really... tall goal shirts that we
1: yeah struggle and, to but she, she was so athletic as mm. such a tall defender um as well and obviously I'm quite short and she had yeah um, hold on how short are you
0: I think this is or how tall short are you
1: so I'm, uh, I actually got measured the other day, so I can tell you, most recently, I'm 176 centimetres. Yeah. So I think that's about 5'10". So yeah. it's funny because people see me in real life and they're like, well, you're actually quite tall.
0: Mm, when i you're not around tall or, for netball. Yeah. For
1: netball, I'm That was short, part of the so... reason
0: why I, why I followed you. I was like, she's short. She can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not short a- either, but short for netball.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, certainly those guys. um, And Beck Bully was probably another one as well um, because she was just such a tight marking defender and really bony. She was one of those ones that had these long skinny arms and bony elbows that were always, (laughs) I'd end up covered in bruises and corked arms playing against (laughs) against her.
0: So what about competition for positions within teams and stuff? Was there a lot of that? Was that tough or... Was that just all part of the
1: sport? Um, it was all part of it. It's, I as I said, I always really embrace it. I've never thought that something you should ever be guaranteed or be handed something. I really like that competitiveness. So I think, you know, for me, as I said, to make a squad, to make a team and then to stay there is is really hard to do. It doesn't happen by luck. It has to happen by hard work. Um, sometimes you get lucky getting there getting your foot in the door whether it's by the timing of you coming in and retirements or injuries and those sorts of things and positions being there but then you need to do the job to hold that position so I always really love that I love that challenge um, and me being able to see what I was capable of um I love nothing more than people telling me I had done well or that I wasn't capable of doing something and trying to prove prove them wrong it's the whole mindset now is very, I think it's gone too far the other way. I'm mindful that a lot of things that were done in the past probably wouldn't be able to stand up now just because of the way in which things operate and well-being and all of that sort of stuff and not burning out players, which I'm really, really mindful of. But I think we've gone so far the other way that at this elite level, and it's obviously very different when you're playing you know, community grassroots level and that sort of thing. But at this elite level, it's now felt like it's gone so far the other way that heaven forbid we should tell, you know, we should highlight that a player actually is better than someone else Mm. because I don't know why. It's like there always has to be this level, this playing field of we can't say that someone is better than someone else in the team for whatever reason and that this whole thing of that everyone needs a participation medal like mm. everyone needs to be given a go at this elite level and I don't agree with it I think it's been from an Aussie Diamonds perspective I think the last few years it's been their undoing yes it the just hasn't but, been
0: that consistency like, it keeps changing it's like who is your yeah, starting seven what's it's happening like, here
1: we're 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 a team of 12 and you hear that thrown up so much but I'm like you just there's nothing wrong with having a starting seven and yeah. that being your and strong seven the and competition. That's, Yep. Those players, they know. And that's when you watched, you know, watching the World Cup in 2019 and seeing New Zealand, they had that. Those players knew what to do. It's not meant to say that there's any disregard giving to the bench players, Michael, how I say that. But those players, then know their role, but the mm. starting seven also know them and they have built those combinations and that trust and mm. that that time but they still know that they have situation. to keep performing
0: to be exactly to that, stay there to stay there and they yep. know that they've got people sitting on the bench who are pushing for that position instead of oh I'll, I'll get my turn soon sort of thing
1: yeah yeah and I've, it was quite interesting the last series um when Australia played New Zealand over in New Zealand and there were people saying oh they've done their time and I'm like it's been one year like are you kidding me? That's not really time or, oh, they've spent two weeks in quarantine, they should be given a go. And I'm like, it's all, why? It's all part of it, yeah. I'm sorry, but there's players who I've played with and I said I was really fortunate that I was able to, be, to get court time. I obviously needed to do the work though to be there mm. and to stay there. But, you know, there were some players who I played with who would spend basically years being on the bench. I look at, you know, from a... Domestic competition, someone like Akira Trompf, um, who I played with at Queensland Firebirds, who was a bent, you know, she always started on the bench, but her training effort, her commitment, she lived in Nisa. She used to do, you know, two hour trips down to to Queensland to train and never had any expect, expectation on anything. She was the most amazing team member. They've named an award after her at Queensland Firebirds. Oh, wow, that's so cool. And the way in which she then challenged, everyone else, what else she gave to the team. And then when she was given that opportunity, she was ready to go and she knew what her job was and what she needed to do. And there's so many places, as I said, there's now just this expectation that I've been here for a year. I've done my time. I should be getting this and they don't like it if they don't. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the thing of kid, this generation. Yeah, or- yeah,
0: the whole being if- brought up with the participation and everything.
1: Yeah, or if it's, as I said, then the the coaching environment because this is what's happening at the elite level as well that they are harnessing this sort of environment. I guess it's just so
0: hard, isn't it, to get that balance between pushing players and also like we have talked about making sure that their mental health as well, that they're recovering, that they're being treated fairly. I guess it's a pretty fine balance.
1: Yeah, it is. But I think, you know, and that's obviously where I think You know the coaches and the people that you have around the environment that they create and how they obviously teach and harness that and you know support those players coming through and and everything. You know that's part of what they need to do. I just think and they need to try and figure out what works to get the best result. And I think from a at least as I'm saying from an Australian perspective, it hasn't worked for them. Mm. What them constantly chopping and changing i honestly can't keep up i have no idea who the who top is, players are yeah who the top players are who was starting 70s for the diamonds and i just i as i said i just think it's it's gone so far the other way that the aussies and as i'm saying talking from an aussie's perspective they've lost that competitiveness mm. They've lost the ability, and when you've seen test matches, they've lost their ability
0: for the players that are
1: out there to hold on and to Mm. grind out ugly wins. Mm -hmm. And that was something back in the day that, back in the day, God, how old do I sound, (laughs) that the Diamonds knew how to do based on how we trained, how we were conditioned, that mental toughness and resilience Mm -hmm. to be out there on court and Mm -hmm. to get it done whereas that's gone i think you see you watch games now and if there's pressure put on them you're like they're done yeah because then players start moving everywhere chopping and changing there's no trust in players players feel like oh my gosh i can't stuff up because i'm going to get taken off yeah instead of having to um, grind
0: through it and work through those processes of pulling yourself out. out of
1: yeah um so i just want
0: to now talk about your sort of transition after netball so yeah. So how's that been? You're a mother now, but it hasn't been a simple process to get to that point.
1: Uh, um, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, I guess 2020, I, I didn't know whether or not it was going to be my last year. I sort of went back and forth. I wasn't too sure. Even now, I still feel like, oh, that I could be playing and yeah. capable of being out there and not just, you know, and doing a good job. I obviously felt pregnant at the end of 2019 um which was through fertility treatment so quite um I guess lucky in that it didn't take too long for that to happen because that's never um and do you think
0: it, you've mentioned before uh, it was the overtraining potentially that impacted? yeah yeah so exactly. did you go years without it. having a period and stuff when you were super
1: fit yes yeah wow. and um I've recently just joined an AIS female performance health initiative work group Um, which is a new initiative that they've got. And we were actually just having a meeting recently. And um, I said, you know, my whole 17 years, my fertility was never a topic of conversation. You go through every screening process, everything checked over. Um, You talked about your nutrition, your diet, your training regime, and not once was my health as a female discussed. So it's a big issue. Um, So, yeah, and obviously so fell pregnant and um, I then just, at that, still, that point, I was contracted for 2020. Didn't know. Um, I had what I wanted to do. I had um, Edison in early July. I see. So you COVID, thought maybe
0: you could play afterwards. Is that what you're thinking?
1: Yeah. So because of with COVID, it was pushed back. Um, so I was actually in a position to potentially come back. I had an emergency Caesar with Edison. And then um, I was actually back pretty much training about six or so weeks after. I had a... Exemption to be able to get into Queensland. I was also doing this. I didn't really have any support, really, from the club. Um, they were obviously all in Queensland. There was no real medical stuff. I was it was hard because when I was pregnant, um, even though I had medical certificate to be there, I fell under all the COVID requirements. I was not allowed by someone at the club to be around the team for. Mm. I think a personal reason which was really hard and really hurtful for me and then coming back it was really hard so I obviously we struggled to get Samuel into Queensland to be there as a carer and i like obviously for anyone who's had a child you know what your body goes through and then afterwards all the hormones the Mm. lack of sleep all of those sorts of things and me trying to come back so it was quite an emotional time we were in lockdown in Melbourne so very isolating and lonely and my partner Samuel he had been stood down from his work so there was a lot of elements Mm. um and then trying to come back and there was a comment that was made to me and I'm not going to say who it was but someone within the club when I was trying to come back. And obviously there's a pregnancy policy place, pregnancy policy in place for netball where you're supported to come back as a mum, you're supported to have a carer um, and all those sorts of things. I was obviously a contracted player trying to come back. And I was told that, um, I was questioned whether or not it it was um, right for me to be trying to come back Mm -hmm. to play, even though I was cleared to come back to play. And that the costs incurred by me coming up would be ruining it for all future mothers in the league. Mm. And that completely broke me because it was one of the, it was probably the most hurtful thing that's ever been said to me. I can't look at this person the same way. And because obviously my involvement in the Players Association, all these sorts of things, I haven't really spoken about this at all. I still get quite emotional talking about it it because it was horrible. And as I said, just with everything going on, the what it's like being a new mum. Yeah. I was obviously I was working my ass off trying to get back. Sorry, you can probably hear it in my voice. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's um, in- interesting that the this stuff with the diamonds in Perth you can talk freely about. I mean, this is closer in time, yeah, but this was has obviously had a yeah, bigger so impact. Yeah, and
1: obviously, yeah, and obviously being a new mum, just all of those. You know those sorts of things. As I said, what I had been trying to get to do um, to come back. And as I said, I because there was no one around from the club. I've been doing it a lot on my own. There were so many times I was in tears. Mm. You know, just from everything figuring stuff out. You question yourself as a mum, let alone mm. you know then trying to compete and come back. So, and this person is someone who I had a lot of respect for. So to then have that. Said to me. So what um, did she
0: say again? Sorry, she said. So she said write...
1: that. She said that I was ruining it for all future mums in the league by trying to return to come back to play because of the costs incurred for me by me coming up, which was all part of that's part of the pregnancy policy and something that. And I'm I was trying like, to
0: put it on you that you're ruining it for
1: that. I was ruining yeah. it for all future mums by trying to come back to come to finish the 2020 season. So that was horrible, and that then basically made my decision. I'm like, I'm done with netball,
0: done um, with being being treated like this. When yeah,
1: yeah, that just I think just really, yeah. As I said, it's kind of just sealed sealed the deal. I remember, as I said, I was an absolute mess. So, and I think poor poor Samuel having to deal with me in that <laughs>
0: that condition. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: and because um, you're 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 a mum now, you know, you look at things yeah. differently, and you take you take what everything you're doing is is not just about you. So you were trying to get back, but it's a lot more to it, isn't it, which makes it so
1: sort of yeah, challenging. Yeah, and as I said, like, and everything, because it'd been hard. I would not just as I said, like, everything that had gone on, you know, the labour, just all of those sorts of things. So, and you obviously you have your, the hormones are yeah. freaking everywhere and everything I'd been doing to push, I'd been fully supportive of the team the entire time. And checking in with them let alone you know obviously then what i was also trying to deal with was they were up there in queensland and trying to still feel like i was a part of the team and checking in and i had been having conversations as well with the coach and the physio up there and obviously I'm, I'm aware that you know covid was throwing a lot of people but it was just that it obviously i think it's covid has sadly shown um sides of people which isn't mm. great um <laughs> But, yeah, it was just incredibly hurtful because I was like with my role as well within the Players Association and we had that year as well, we'd done so much fighting for the players to be looked after from what they were dealing with in the hub and all of those sorts of things. I was like, I've been into bat for players and supporting you guys for years, let alone this year and everything that you've gone through. And then to have that thrown on me. And to be made to feel like by me trying to come back and play would be ruining it for mums, future mums, was a real kick in the guts and just yeah. so uncalled for and just no, like just so incorrect, mm-hmm. um, but so incredibly hurtful. And so, as I said, I can't look at this person the same way. I know yeah. if she listens to this, she might know. Um, I'm talking so, about something him, I've but-
0: noticed is that. A lot of silver ferns have children and then come back to the sport, but doesn't seem to happen in Australia. And I thought maybe it was because of competition for positions. You know, there being a lot more. It seems like there's more depth in Australia, but is it perhaps actually the lack of support?
1: I think that I think there's players now who are probably seeing, particularly those who, because um, when you only get support for the first 12 months um, as any sort of financial support and my understanding there's other every club can do it differently so there's obviously a minimum and there's clubs that will embrace that and go above and beyond but then there's others that will stick to the bare minimum which isn't a lot I'm aware of players being told that their children aren't allowed to be at training because it looks unprofessional which just but then every other club will allow it and loves having their kids and Kids of coaches and that sort of thing around. So there's a lot. This whole area, I think, there needs to be a real look at it because pregnancy policy was put in place quite a while ago, and we're now starting to see more mums in the league. And I know, you know, you look at someone like a Rabbi, who Kim Rebellion, whose little girl Georgie's older. She doesn't get the support now, even though it's her first year back playing. She didn't get the support this year that, say, Gretel got because Georgie was older. Yeah. So she spent a lot of the year separated from her daughter because there was no financial support or assistance with her being able to travel with a carer. Yeah. But for Gretel, it was. So there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of things that still that I think need to be looked at again from a pregnancy policy, particularly on what we're a female sport. Yeah we need to actually look at this and consider and I think it'd be quite interesting talking to not only to past players as well in terms of how they felt with having kids but then for those currently there how they actually feel about it because as I said I know that this season that some parents were told to keep their kids away from the training environment because it was looked unprofessional.
0: Mm. How do you put yourself out there and play well on court if you're not feeling supported?
1: Yeah, so. and I think, and then obviously it goes. You're going to go one or two ways. You're going to have athletes who then will leave the sport early, mm-hmm. which you don't want. And because if a player is out of contract and they fall pregnant, there's no support for them to come back into the support in or be involved the following year. In cricket, the new cricket pregnancy policy is amazing mm-hmm. um, in terms of support given to athletes as well as those athletes who are then out, happen to be out of contract when they fall pregnant. So you're either going to have players that will leave early or you're going to have then athletes who will delay having a family and then there's repercussions that could potentially be faced with that from then their personal family perspective because when they finish well, pregnant is not that easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not it's not a given so then you have them that are like well you know did they stay in the sport and because, yeah, if, they like they ticking, because if they feel like Yeah time starts ticking
0: you know you start looking at yeah, that
1: maybe they will lose their spot or they won't be given an opportunity because the support's not really there it is but not really yeah yeah so I think it's definitely an area that Australia need to look back into and I think make some more changes to it Mm,
0: there's so many you know sort of complex issues that sort of arise from elite sport I'm learning you know yeah
1: yeah like there's obviously there's so many amazing it's hard because there's so many amazing things and it's so great to be a part of, and for mm. me to have worn the green and gold. It was something I never ever thought I would get to do and be a part of. Yeah. But you know, sports more political than politics. Like, yeah. And you get <laughs> that There's, the the it's netball ridiculous. that I played, and
0: you know, even like the local, the local politics and sports. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think um, netball is a bad one because you've got a whole lot of women, often. Yeah. Yeah. Which can yeah. be a bit um, toxic at times. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, I agree.
0: What advice would you have for if there's someone listening out there who is um playing sport at grassroots roots level and they want to make it in the big time?
1: Oh, this is always an interesting one for me because growing up, I'm very mindful of kids being too young and just focusing 100% on something I don't think it's healthy. And I was someone who played so many different sports and I think that's actually great because you learn so many different skills and even if it's in an individual sport, I did athletics, I did basketball, hockey, tennis, everything, cricket. So I think it's really important to just make sure that you have fun and that you are enjoying it. But I think for anyone, ask questions. You don't know what you don't know and I think pretending that you know everything isn't great. It's okay to not know things, so to ask questions. And I think for anyone who plays any sport as well, and this is from the young kids, get your basics right, get your basic fundamental skills. Amazing, I think you can try and have every trick book, or trick shot, or yeah. any sort of thing in you know under your belt. But when it comes down to it, if you, to make it through and to be a good player, your ability to read the play, to have good ball skills. Good footwork, those sorts of things, strong hands are just so incredibly important. And they're the things that get you through your career that when you're in a game and it's tight, your ability to execute your basic skills is what's always going to win win out. So that would be my advice.
0: That's great. And what about advice around training? Like, what have you learned about improving your fitness? And
1: um, I'm definitely mindful, obviously, that you do need a break. <laughs> um, but I think training's game should be the fun stuff so for me training was always the part it should be harder I think try and replicate in training environments what you face in a game so particularly as a shooter I always used to get asked the question and I've never owned a netball in my life but I always used to get asked oh, how many shots do you put up a day and I'm like I don't know but I'm also about you do quality over quantity so if you're a shooter then yes you can just put up a few you know standard pot shots learn to have to shoot five in a row from a spot that's uncomfortable from you before you're allowed to move on practice mm-hmm. your step back shots get someone to defend you learn to shoot off balance do all these different things that try and replicate what you're doing game because then as I said, the game should be the fun stuff. That's yeah. where you get to actually put in what you've practiced. Mm-hmm. And if you've practiced well and properly, then you shouldn't have a worry. Yeah, um that makes sense. so I think that's yeah, probably my biggest thing when it comes to training.
0: Awesome. And what about um anyone transitioning from netball or from um f- from their career from anything into motherhood? What would be your advice?
1: Oh, into motherhood. Jeez. <laughs> um, I think you have a good support system. I think as well, it's okay not to be okay. I think you know, talking to people as well. You, there's this idea that you have to constantly, I think, feel like that you have to tell people that you're doing great. And the reality is, every single mum out there, we struggle. We have mum guilt. There are days when we feel great. There are days when we have absolutely no idea what we're doing. And I think be okay to actually say that and not to keep pretending that you've got it all together because you just don't and you're just going to burn yourself out I think that is probably one of the biggest things as I said you speak to so many people and you're like hey you going, look like, oh yeah things are great and you know mm. deep down because you feel like that's what you have to say you have to yeah. feel tell show people that you're a mum that's got it all together <laughs> yeah. and you can do this and you can do that and yeah, I think it's it's okay to tell people that if you're struggling, tell them and share your stories because that's the only way I think mothers can really feel like they're supported and can be then the best mums is if they're supported through the great times, but also the times that they struggle.
0: Love it. And then one last thing, how have you never owned a netball? Like,
1: <laughs> what? I've never owned a netball ring or a netball. It's terrible, isn't it? How, how can um, you be
0: a shooter like you just it's just so natural when you just train under under pressure yeah, and it's not about I, I, how many you put up it's about doing it in the yeah, right
1: conditions I've always been someone who I think particularly the last no, maybe six or so years um I distanced myself from netball so as in when I was there I was there and when I wasn't yeah I was so removed from it so I was someone as well as I've never. When I was, I've probably watched more netball in the last year than what I have done my entire career. I was never someone who sat down and watched a lot of games or video footage or those sorts of things. Obviously, you do a lot of that in your team environment. Um, if I felt like I really needed to, I did. But I was someone who, you know, I love netball. I trained, I played, and then I yeah. <laughs> removed myself from it to keep myself sane because otherwise so I even just, when you were
0: like 15 16 you weren't practicing your shots
1: now I so I, I grew up in the country um so I grew up four hours southeast of Adelaide down in country SA and I remember being told so I was a country kid and I was told I was so laid back I was horizontal yeah. so I used I used to get in a lot of trouble for being too yeah. <laughs> laid back and I think thought that I wasn't trying hard enough I wasn't I've never been a big sweater so I never sweated much so people didn't think I was working hard mm-hmm. but obviously was but I'm just I think it's my demeanor or how I look it's just sort of a bit more casual I obviously get a got a very good game face happening <laughs> um, in my later years
0: <laughs> but yeah
1: I was just very nonchalant just mm-hmm. uh, yeah cruised, and, and playing around. lots of different
0: sports as well
1: yeah Cool. Yes. Well, thank you
0: so much for your time, Nat. It is so interesting to hear all about, yeah, so many different things. And there's definitely some some issues there, but it's also great to hear, well, you know, issues in terms of the sport, not you. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't worry, I've got plenty of them as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. But great to hear of the good times and, yeah, learn a bit more about about you in general. So thanks so much. And thank you for being um, a Dedicate member or a Dedicate ambassador. Love seeing your workouts and i really feel like you genuinely love dedicate which is really cool
1: i do i absolutely love it and thank you so much for having me on board i can't recommend it enough to people um i love the variety I think is just phenomenal. It's so easy to follow the fact that you have to the, then the different levels. And I get my partner, so Sam doing them as well. Yeah, that's um, so cool. And, he's, a, and it's great, he's, he?
0: he's an elite athlete, former elite athlete yeah, so he as well. A well
1: and, he's awesome. player yeah. and he he gets gassed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's great um, seeing him. And I think I've said it a million times the people who do level three, I don't know oh, yeah. who you are, yeah, but your turbos,
0: they, they they wanted it so we did it and to be honest i don't do level three when i'm doing them privately i do 50 seconds and like to have that 10 second break yeah coming out there uh, yeah they're going for it at level three yeah no crazy <laughs> crazy <laughs> something for everyone yeah <laughs> all right well thank you so much nat um yeah we'll talk to you soon thanks so much for having me Thank you so much for listening to the Dedicate Podcast. To catch all the latest from me, Kate, you can follow me on Instagram at KateIVFitness. Join our awesome fitness community of thousands of women throughout New Zealand, Australia, and the world with your dedicate two-week free trial at kateivfitness.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please support us by subscribing, sharing it with others, and leaving a rating and review. That's so appreciated, thank you. Thanks again. I'll catch you next time. Haere da!